Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. Today, we have one of my favorite people of the, in the whole world, really, in the whole world, and that is Jocelyn Johnson, who is the founder of Video Inc. And Jocelyn is basically a serial entrepreneur um, who has built a successful PR business. And how I met Jocelyn was running Video Inc., which is really the go-to resource for breaking news and industry analysis related to digital video, video technology, um, over-the-top, online streaming, anything really happening in the content space right now. And Jocelyn is the person that knows everything and everybody. So let's have a Tech Cat welcome for Jocelyn Johnson. Yay! Hey, Jocelyn, welcome to the Tech Cat Show. Hey. Oh, Lori, thanks for that lovely introduction. Well, I don't know if anybody has ever introduced me with as much grandeur as that, so thank you for the uh, <laughs> the kind words. Well, you do seem to know everything about everybody, and content right now, of course, is sort of the, the pretty girl at the party, and, and it's all about um, driving engagement with video now, and you are sort of really sitting at the top of the news of all of this. So give us a sense of your background, and then, and then we'll talk a little bit about Video Inc., yeah, uh, I, so I, you were absolutely spot on in saying that um, I had started a PR business about six years ago. Um, prior to that, I was working in the Hollywood space with the likes of Peter Goober at Mandalay and Robert Evans and some talent and a few production companies at the time and some filmmakers above the line and below the line. So um, really got my foray into the entertainment space um, back around 2008 time frame. Um, and then 2011, it was actually the, a very serendipitous time for me to start my own practice focused on digital entertainment um, because that was exactly the point when YouTube invested $100 million in original content, their first investment that they made in their own programming. And it really sparked a beautiful industry and a beautiful opportunity for me as a startup PR business focused on that area. So my business just really accelerated basically overnight. I mean, I went from having, um, you know, 2000 in my bank account to having 10 clients in three months, um, all a who's who of people in the industry. That's um, wonderful. And it was, it was a really exciting time. I didn't see you spending any of that money irresponsibly either. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was at some point. I think I was just like, you know, I, I kind of had told my family at that point that, I was going to start this business and that I believed that I could do it. And I remember very specifically, my aunt was like, okay, so what's your plan B? And I'm like, I don't have a plan B. If I have a plan B, I'm giving myself an out to say that this could not work. And I'm just not going to even give myself that option. So this is going to work and I'm going to do great. And I'm not looking back. And then it actually, it, it, it did work out. It, it went famously um, with just what was going on in the industry at that time also was just like kind of right place, right time and right tenacity to make everything work. But. So it was the um, sort of uh, right at that moment when YouTube was becoming real, where people were investing a lot of money in content on YouTube and in other video channels. And you having been a PR person sort of synergized those, that skill set in, into launching what is now Video Inc., yeah, at the time I saw that there was really a lack of coverage on the industry that was being supported by this funding that had come in through YouTube. And once YouTube made that investment and, and it sparked a dozen or you know two dozen businesses to really start from ground zero and have capital to build meaningful content and have distribution and find windowing and kind of all the economics that Hollywood has been building over the last 50 years really started to accelerate that particular point. Um, and I had two personal pain points. I had the pain point of not having a tool or a resource for my juniors um, to learn about the industry and to learn the, the names of the who's who of 
who's propelling that industry forward. And so a lot of it was word of mouth education. Whereas when I was coming up, I was flipping the trades for my boss. I was constantly learning who the new names were based on the coverage that I saw in Variety and Hollywood Reporter and LA Times. And at that time, the rap had just started and obviously Deadline was well underway. And I, I realized like this is enough of a pain point for me that there needs to be a destination for other people who are coming into the industry to learn the names, the who's who's, the <coughs> nature of the business. So that was pain point number one. Um, pain point number two was that on my client side, the trades and the traditional trades really were not giving any allocated time or page resource to businesses that didn't have a public company attached. So if there wasn't AOL or Yahoo or even at that time a little bit, there was some stuff going on with Verizon and like Intel. There wasn't a major brand attached to it. They were really not willing willing to give it any coverage. So I thought there's a, a gaping hole um, of opportunity for this business. And the primary reasons that it's needed is because our industry will fundamentally not move forward if there's not any information being shared about its health, its wealth, and obviously the a barometer for how the industry is moving. You know, and it's so funny. I specifically remember one of your reporters at the time coming to me and saying, hey, I've been invited to go work for this kind of startup, and it's only focused on video and online video and what's happening. And I remember saying to him, oh, you know, I think that might be limited. You know, why would you want to just write about that without, of course, having the foresight for a trendmeister myself and realizing that it was exploding and there was so much more to it than just online video because you're really talking about everything happening in content. You know, video now has sort of lost the, the its, its singular meeting, meaning for what it was and now it's really referring to all of content, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's a nuance that I have to explain even to this day to some people because even if I use the words video, they think that I'm talking about the actual infrastructure and the back end versus really the programming and the ecosystem and the business that's happening around shows that are being distributed on new platforms in new ways with new models. And that's really what we're tracking. It's gotten murkier over time because, I mean, even if you follow the Hollywood entertainment news, um, the Academy has now just started to lump in anything that looks like television into their bucket. So, Hulu, they and Netflix. You're talking about the, uh, the the TV Academy who gives out the Emmys. Yeah, yep. Um, they, you know, they don't even consider those businesses separate now. They consider those television, maybe to preserve their hold over the over the industry, but also maybe because they they do look a lot like television, and um, that's been a tricky line for us to walk. Of you know, do we cover those types of companies? How do we cover them? How do we stay true to what we're our beat is and our lane without moving into too competitive territory with all of the Hollywood landscape coverage that's happening. But they've definitely merged and it's definitely become a little bit more of a gray area on what, what exactly is the streaming space versus linear and television and traditional theatrical space. Now, how do you make money you know, creating a, a uh, publishing entity, you know, is it all the traditional way of selling ads inside the paper, like, you know, like 100 years ago, or are there other ways that you're monetizing what you're doing? So from the outset, I sort of had identified that I didn't ever want to be an ad supported business um, for a few reasons. One, I just know that that's a very um, difficult business to run when you're working on gaming your views and gaming your audience to pander to headlines so you can deliver CPMs and kind of shifting your coverage to whoever's going to drive the most audience doesn't necessarily enable you to remain authentic to what the important things to cover are um, that serve the nature of the business and the industry and the people who are working in that industry. So that was part one. Um, Part two is that also B2B businesses, for the most part, um, until they establish a really strong base of who their audience is, it's difficult to um, command meaningful advertising dollars. So from the outset, I really looked at how could we build out an events business, how could we build out um, sponsored opportunities and 
you know, larger integrations with brands, which again, some would also argue that that takes the integrity of journalism out as well. Um, but I think there's ways to do that that have been fruitful and definitely kept our business alive. And then recently we switched to a membership model um, and that's been going really well for us. And, and how does that, how does that work? Does people in order to, to get the, to see what's on um, video Inc, you have to be a member. Well, so we're, um, trying to be a little judicious about what we choose to put in front of the paywall and behind the paywall, but most of our deeper reporting, most of our scoops, our intel will go behind the paywall. Anything that we're, we're doing analysis, so for instance, um, we did an analysis recently about how Snapchat's influencers are posting 30% less on the platform and they're posting twice as much on Instagram stories. And so we did a state of the business based on those two companies um, really in analyzing how their businesses are being impacted by each other. That goes behind the paywall. Um, something along the lines where there's a big announcement, let's say Apple announces that they're going to be moving into original funding and Wall Street Journal had the report on that. We'll still cover it, um, but we'll put that in front of the paywall. So, so anything that's not maybe original analysis at a really high level is is available for everyone else, sort of as the like crack, the first piece of free crack to get people seduced into <laughs> coming yeah. into into video, videoing. And was that a hard model to switch to? What like was there immediate uptake, or did you have to sort of do a little of your own marketing plan to explain the the opportunity? So. Well, I want to also want to go back and to say that we also have built like a community where um, people who are members have like first intel that we're sending. So when Facebook does an earnings call or Snapchat does their earnings call, we immediately following that call send a quick report to everyone in the Slack community about what happened from that call before we do our deeper analysis on in, a, in an actual article. And that still goes behind the paywall, but you know our people who are in our community are the first to know and then we'll also provide access to events educational sessions things along those lines that are also value adds in addition to our coverage oh um, that's so interesting so th- when you say the slack community you communicate your um, news information to your subscribers through slack yeah and then How we also have that? Um, special documents that they can only access through Slack that are not hosted on our site, some password-protected documents. So for the last two years, we've been collating um, data points on state of the business. So predictions on how big the OTT business is going to go, advertiser trends, consumer viewing behavior, different reports that come across our desk. We've been collating that into a, a data bank of information with the sources, with the stats that we think are the most important for the industry. And that's something we just released out to our membership through the Slack community only. So That's fantastic. Um, um, anyone well, who's looking to build a deck or anything on the state of the business, like now they have a resource where they don't have to just Google things. They actually can just go into this large document and pull based on tags and categories and keywords on what exactly they're looking for. I think that is so smart. All right, well, listen, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk to Jocelyn more about what's happening in the in the space, um, in, in the video content space. What are some of the trends that are bubbling up? And um, I think I have to join. I don't know why I'm not, I'm not a member right now, but um, I want to join. So we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat show talking to the fabulous Jocelyn Johnson, who is the founder of Video Inc. And please subscribe. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back. We've been talking to the fabulous Jocelyn Johnson, who's the founder of Video Inc. And Video Inc., if you don't know about it, is a, um, I guess you could call it an online newspaper if for those before born before 1900 <laughs> but but it is a a publishing entity that provides news insights um and everything related to the world of video content um online streaming all the different pieces and puzzles uh, of the content business right now and um video inc just made a turn to a subscription-based model, and Jocelyn was just sharing with us that not only do they deliver, um, you know, um, insights through articles, but also through Slack, which I think is so interesting. So all your subscribers get reports and content in a really robust manner. So you're sitting on top of this publication. What are some of the trends that you're seeing are really affecting the marketplace right now? Because there are so many different things going on. Yeah, of course. Um, I think actually our move to membership and subscription is actually plugging into a larger uh, macro trend that's not even just isolated to the video industry. I think it's something that's happening across the board in in many, many industries um, as people look to move away from the advertising model and more into direct relationships with customers and recurring revenue. And that's definitely persisted through the video space over the last year, year and a half. I mean, we saw that coming maybe two years ago with a number of companies starting to build out infrastructure on powering a hybrid business, a blend of subscription, advertising, and transaction. Um, I think what's ultimately really stuck is people's um, attention span towards building out a subscription business. Now, those are very difficult businesses to build when you're looking at wallet share, but um, we've seen some of them fall by the wayside and some of them really take off and, and do pretty well. So um, I think that's definitely a trend we'll see go into next year, but something that will likely start to make or break some businesses. Well, so in parallel to your subscription model, you were also seeing that as a trend. Um, and so the Hulos and the Amazons and the Roku's and all these guys and even the Apple TVs that require sort of micropayments along the way they seem to be thriving and the the startups that come along don't seem to be able to break through that SVA door yet Um, do you think that's going to change? I think it ultimately is going to come down to how those businesses bring in and ingest the right type of content I mean they have to be well capitalized at the front to be able to create smart content mix that brings people in through something they're familiar with um, but then also keeps them on something new that they can discover we've already seen NBC's investment in this area with CISO a comedy brand um, was unfortunately one of the first to go so you know, we're already starting to see some of those businesses fail. But, I mean, Vimeo is very committed to this in terms of a software play, helping average Joes and premium creators stand up their own direct-to-consumer businesses, and then they'll take a, a micro, you know, rev share off of those those things. Um, another brand that we cover is called Verve, where they're basically – curating a number of different the already existing businesses and they're intelligently programming them in sort of a virtual MVPD model and doing a per sub um, model and their price point is you know varying from $3.99 up to like $11.99 and then you can also buy each one of those channels independently if you want to so I think some of those guys that are really working to to be fluid in testing what's going to work for their consumers and then putting the right marketing and partnerships behind that we will see succeed um, in the next two years I think those who are 
sort of investing a lot in licensing and syndication and, and not really figuring out their original content play will likely struggle in the next year and a half. So there's um there's also CBS's play now where they just launched mm-hmm. the new Star Trek um and yep. I was so irritated by that because I was like I'm such a huge Star Trek fan and I didn't think it was fair that I would have to pay for it but is that the model that you launch with um you know some sort of um your own Game of Thrones or your own house of cards and you draw everybody in and then the hope is that people don't unsubscribe off season? Yeah, I mean, I think that you've seen, I mean, MGM is doing this as well. It's like, how can we take legacy IP that has a cult following and then it's our job to really keep them there on the back end and start to continue to like utilize the um, real estate that we might normally use for ad space or ad breaks and start programming in our own promotions about new things that we're working on and reasons that they should stay in the funnel. You know, it's so funny, too, because as a diehard Star Trek fan, I feel so guilty and so um, torn that I'm not just paying for it to see it, you know, because how can I not know what the next Star Trek series is like? But I keep hoping some miracle will happen (laughs) and it'll just be released to the public. But I don't think I'm going to make it to the end of the year without breaking down and and subscribing. Um, But I still struggle with, you know, wanting to pay for things. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean that's a huge issue. The wallet, the the concept of wallet share, which I have to admit, I, I I hijacked that concept or that that language from a colleague of mine at Zipe, but um, who powers businesses like this. But I do think, I mean, I mean, Lori, how many how many subscriptions are you paying for right now? I mean, I've lost track. I mean, I think um, you know, and I also subscribe to sort of that blend too of news in our business, B2B um, subscriptions like yours. So I, I, that are turning to more video. So I'm, I'm lost in a sea of subscriptions right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's like uh, what's going to fuel some consolidation next year. Um, And for some of these companies to have to look at uh, potential acquirers who would like to have access to their subscriber base that they've built, but ultimately can't sustain long-term without, either a round investment or a the thing is when you're looking down the when you're looking down the viewpoint of a consumer and you're saying okay everyone says that cable is just so expensive and you're paying for all these things that you don't watch well i mean it's the basically the same thing when you break down that price in relation to your 11.99 netflix plus your 25 to 50 dollars a month for internet plus your 11.99 to 35.99 for hulu plus your 25 for amazon like right there like you're already back at what you'd be paying for cable um right. Right. So then where does the rest of that disposable income that someone's allocating to entertainment or, um, you know, that their television spend go? Does it go to the three ninety nine for Verve? Does it go for a three ninety nine to full screen? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's actually viable long term. You know, it's funny that you say that because my um, cable subscription is still pretty high because, again, just for what I do professionally, I need to be able to see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so I'm paying more now because I still have the crazy high cable package and then I have all these um, payments. So I, I feel like um, I should just sell my liver to keep <laughs> up my content <laughs> habit. <laughs> Really no, I have a question for you just in terms of so jog- this can happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I can keep up. Um, our, our, uh, for a long time, we, we've been talking about MCNs or multi-channel networks. And these were the businesses that sort of sprouted up and grabbed all of these fabulous YouTube content creators and sort of built a, an agency around them and managed them and monetized them. Is that still a thing? I mean, the regular person may not know to go to an MCN. They may just be following their favorite content creators, but is that business model still behind the scenes percolating away? No, most of those businesses um, had to choose a pathway um, because of, for a few reasons. YouTube also started taking some of those services in-house and really trying to manage the, the relationship with their own creators um, internally. So that obviously puts a little bit of pressure on the companies that have built their businesses around managing and operating ads and media for um, the creators. So what we saw was that a lot of them either took the path of turning into a marketing and branded agency 
pathway of still utilizing their relationships with influencers, but really packaging them into brands and serving more as a content marketing influencer marketing firm, or they went hard into IP content development and now they look a lot more like a traditional studio or media company would. Um, So I think what you've seen is most of the businesses that chose that first path have been acquired and most of the businesses that chose the second path are have either raised significant rounds and are producing content or are really relying on the licensing syndication original IP business which is very much in in the old Hollywood model. Well, that so it, so it really has um, evolved since a couple of years ago. And when, we're going to have to take a break in a moment. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the sort of hunger for original content right now. And I know you, you talk about this a lot on Video Inc. Um, about this buying boom. Like there's always an announcement about something being bought. And so I'm sure our listeners would love to hear like what, what are the trends around what's being sold and what's being bought. So we're going to be back in a moment with the fabulous Jocelyn Johnson, who's founder of Video Inc. and sits at the center of all the news around the future of content. And so you can imagine how popular she is. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. All right, we were rocking out to that Tech Cat theme song now, and we're back with uh, Jocelyn Johnson, who's the founder of Video Inc. And we were just talking about some trends in the content and video space, and there's so much going on. So I always like to ask my guests, you know, how do you keep up with all this? Or at least, what is it that you pursue to to stay engaged with your business and the career and the industry? Like, what, what are some of the things that you like to keep your fingers on? Yeah, so... Um, One of the most important things that we do every morning is uh, my writers do a news scan and we share that. We're we're big Slack users, so um, we have a special channel that's dedicated to news that we're coming across throughout the the day and especially first thing in the morning um, so that we're kind of all up to speed, all on the same page about what we're going to cover, but also just what's going on in the business. So sometimes we'll get a report that will come across our um, search that we wouldn't necessarily cover, but it's really important for us to at least have um, as collective knowledge. So that's one way that I stay up on the nature of the business. I mean, a lot of my particular coverage is really focused on the scoops and intel and kind of knowing what's going on behind the scenes. And so I really focus on who am I calling this week? How am I getting in touch with people? I have a list of the companies that we want to constantly be on the pulse of or that we want to have on our radar in a really intimate way and then I constantly call people and ask them what have you been hearing about this how are you feeling about that like what's going on with your business what's driving your your you know business direction in 2018 and beyond and then really that helps me formulate early tips and scoops and start to stitch together what some early trends can look like and then I continue to ask around and kind of find the foundation of my stories um, and some of that I can report and some of it I can't some of it's just good background context to have and 
some of it informs other stories that I write, even though it, it doesn't lead to its own story on its own. So that's really how I'm managing my, my intel. Your world and how you stay up all night and talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> what about some of those books that you mentioned? Can you, can you share any of the business books that you love that have been really inspiring to you? Yeah, I, I, most of the reading that I do is always going to be oriented around entrepreneurship, growing, also ways to just stay calm and manage stress because when you're obviously running any type of business or any type of startup um, or actually maybe internally at any any company that's really looking to grow and um, is a small team, you have to know those things, right? Meditation and stress management and all of that. Um, how to keep your team online, all that, those types of things. Um, one of my favorite books is called Straight Line Leadership. Um, it's really just about leaders getting from point A to point B. I love the hard thing about the hard things, which is Ben Horowitz's book about kind of early entrepreneurship in the internet age and building Netscape and the information highway and taking his billion, his business to billion dollars valuation and then also losing it and going down to basically almost being bankrupt and the trials and tribulations and learnings that he got from that. So books along those lines I love. And then I also really love anything that's around, you know, health, wellness, spirituality um, in terms of just Buddhism or like staying calm, like not being attached to the outcome. Um, Some of that I find is really helpful when you're looking to build something that you think you know the exact direction, but obviously day-to-day curveballs and life happens and things you couldn't anticipate happen. And having that lack of attachment to your visioned outcome can sometimes be helpful. So, God, I, I love that because it is really stressful. And you do have to uh, take care of yourself first when you're a business person in order to be able to, to do this because we're in this crazy world that's moving so fast and it's so intense do you hear from from readers and subscribers is that a big part um a big aspect of all this you know publishing um comments and hearing back from everyone or is it more not published publicly but you respond to your subscriber needs because that community piece you've talked about so many times uh, sounds intriguing yeah we get uh i get a lot of um direct emails to me personally um, with people saying like, oh, I, you guys are crushing it or, oh, like I, I got one the other day. Um, and I, if he's listening, he'll know who I'm talking about. But <laughs> um, subject line, cheap bastard. And then he was like, God, I was doing everything I could to hold out. But like, I finally have to get your subscription. You guys are just doing such a good job. Like, I'm, I'm biting the bullet today. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is great. This is actually great feedback for me. Um, another one was like, hey, you know, you, your coverage has been so great. And I finally decided that I needed, I couldn't hold out on the subscription any longer because you started covering X, Y, and Z in such a way. And so then those signals give us really nice um, feedback. There's also been, I mean, constructive feedback that we've gotten like, hey, like this light box that you guys just implemented is really annoying. Like, can you fix it? And like, we fix it within you know, a certain time frame. Well, where are you seeing that? How is it annoying you? What wouldn't, what wouldn't annoy you? And so some of that constructive feedback is helpful as well. Because if one person's experiencing it, it's likely that there's dozens others that are experiencing it. And that one person is the only one willing to have gone through the um, process of dropping me an email. And do you, do you feel right now that you are at a level where you're competing at least in the category with the Wall Street journals and the ad ages and those folks who this is just one sort of silo of category of information that they're covering. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the the main publication that um, outpaces us or like I would say that we're on pace with in terms of coverage is Variety. Um, and really, we don't cover the same things. It's like either we beat them to a story or we get things at the same time or they beat us to a story. Um, but there's not a lot of overlap. I would say we're really complementary because there's so much happening in the space right now. It, pro- it would probably be impossible for any one team to cover the whole thing. Um, but that's where we've intelligently used our newsletter um, to serve as a best home and an all-encompassing guide on a daily basis for people who are in this business because we only have so much bandwidth to actually write stories in a certain way and add intelligent context to them Um, but that doesn't mean that the stories that we're covering are all that's important for someone to know so we have a couple sections we have in our newsletter Um, we have a couple sections in our newsletter that are 
our originals that are behind the paywall, the stories that we're writing that are important for people to know, that where we are giving context but that are free. And then we call the internet and we do a quick digest on all of the other headlines that are happening in the space that we just either didn't have time or resource to cover or just really didn't make sense for a larger story, but was still an important headline for someone to know in terms of this industry. So are people going then to the site daily a couple of times a day? Like what's the behavior for the consumption of news? Yeah, pe- most people um, hit hit the site first thing in the day, and then um, again in the in the afternoon. Um, I would say our newsletter is also a really important go to for most people because it is an at a glance piece of content where you can scroll in and you can either you could use that email before your dinner or before your breakfast. You know, the next morning and get in a full lay of the land and and just quickly skim it and be able to go into your meeting and sound like you know exactly what's going on in the industry. Or you could take the time and be like, oh, okay, I actually want to know what like how our Facebook Watches show is doing or what is Apple investing in, right? So then they click through from there. So you have actual um, people at these big media companies coming to the site to understand how their own companies are doing. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we have Facebook subscribed. We have Snapchat. Inst- you know, obviously, Instagram's under under the Facebook banner. Lionsgate, Adobe, all of the agencies, um, all of the talent agencies are either enterprise. Um, most of them have their full teams signed up. But then there's a few companies that only have, you know, a couple people from their teams on the digital side signed up. And is it important for you guys to have um, content on all of those platforms as well? So you have in, you have content on Instagram, on Snapchat, you know, all of these different places that are pushing to the site. Is that part of your strategy or, or just, you know, grabbing subscribers is really the main thing? I mean, subscribers is really important for us right now. It's the, really the number one metric I'm looking at. Um, but we really will play to the B2B areas. So we'll look at LinkedIn, most importantly, we'll look at Facebook, we'll look at Twitter um, in terms of where we prioritize our social time spent. Um, for the most part, you know, people want to disengage with their work life when they're going to Instagram and those types of places. Um, but we do, you know, a fair bit of stories and we do a fair bit of Instagram posting as well. It's mostly promotional for membership it's not as informational um, or educational as it usually is on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook got it all right well we're going to take a break um, when we come back I want to find out like what's the what's the future for for video Inc and also maybe what's the future for for online videos it's going to stay as hot as it is now I'd love to hear some insights from you um, the trend meister of content um, so we'll be back in a moment <laughs> <laughs> with Jocelyn, John- Jocelyn Johnson, who is the founder of Video Inc. Your name is especially hard when you have a cold. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> um, I, I, I can hear you. I can hear it coming through. But yeah, I mean, the JJ, you can just call me JJ. JJ, that's better. We'll be back with JJ in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America.
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. And we are back with JJ, the founder of Video Inc. Thank you for that, Jocelyn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we want to talk a little bit about where the future of the business is going and how Video Inc. is positioning itself. So what do you see coming down the pike for, for online video? Is it going to stay as crazy hot as it is right now? Um, is it going to evolve? Like, Do you have any insight into where you think this is all going? Yeah, the main point that a lot of these companies are struggling with is the economics around really making money. And also, I mentioned um, earlier that my one metric that I'm focused on is the subscription number for us. But a lot of these companies have so many metrics that they're having to work against, right? And every platform that they do a distribution deal with has its own set of metrics. There's really not a standardization across the space just yet um, that is meaningful enough for everyone to sort of point their nose towards, and and that's that's really the North Star, right? Um, so I think that we'll see that play out in the next year, um, in 2018, and I, I hope that, that it goes more quickly than we could probably predict because it's I think it's a crucial part of the industry is everyone having a really cohesive metric that everyone that we, that we can point to that's meaningful that indicates how businesses are doing and how content is performing um, and a trend that I've started to notice which we actually just covered um, recently um, within this last you know quarter or month or so um, is on how most of the media companies are starting to look a lot more like broadcast with linear channels I think we're starting to see those economics from Hollywood be adopted into the digital space. So like I said, with the virtual MVPDs and doing per sub models, like really looking just a lot more like a cable operator. Um, the trend on Twitch of varying companies standing up 24-7 news networks. CNN is going to launch their 24-7 digital news network in 2018. So I would anticipate, you know, as people try to continue to hang on to that ad model, they will put on a 24-7 lean back experience that um, they can continue to monetize and put advertiser dollars in towards. So I would identify probably those two. I'm really interested to see how Facebook um, shifts their business or not. They, um, in Zuckerberg's last earnings call, he talked about how he doesn't want to be funding content. He really is doing this as a way to, um, you know, get the flywheel moving and, to motivate people to tune in to watch, but ultimately he wants to be a rev share model and have an environment around the video viewing experience that's interactive. And I think in that way, they could re- evolve their product to look a lot more like Twitch. Um, oh, interesting. Which would make sense because, you know, Amazon, Google are their side-by-side competitors. So ways that he can emulate what Amazon is doing, what, what YouTube is doing under the Google umbrella... I think we'll see play out in 2018. And I would not be surprised if, based on what he said in his quarterly call, um, that they will start to build some sort of engagement environment around video viewing, which, again, Twitch has already done. So I would say it would probably look like Twitch. I mean, do they, um, do does, do people like Mark Zuckerberg call you? <laughs> Just <laughs> <is> that... <laughs> do they, are they like, you know, here's what's going on? You know, one day, one day I will be up with Mark. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm usually talking to the people who are heading up entertainment partnerships right now at Facebook or structuring those deals, um, you know, more on like the Ricky Mina level than on the the Mark level. But one day, one day, Lori. <laughs> they'll call you the dream <laughs> um i love that well i mean at least someone's calling you and i think that's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> my mom calls me too you know like my grandmother that's calls right. me on regular basis and my boyfriend is really great about calling every day <laughs> That's, that's so nice. It, it really is nice. <laughs> it's so important to be in the know, especially in your own family. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, just viewing habits, too? Because um, one thing I noticed with my, my stepkids who went from tween to teen and now young adult is that, 
you know, while they still go online and watch videos, they're not like tracking with all those um, Shea Carls anymore. You know, now they're actually more on CW or on ABC or watching what what is considered traditional broadcast content. Is that going to continue? Um, or do you see there being emerging in talent and format from these different worlds as well? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I, you know, as you were kind of rolling that out, I had two thoughts. One of them was about how really I think the YouTube creator, the YouTube star, the social media star um, was definitely a, a trend of the past. Um, I've you know, tried a few different ways to back into a story about the influencer age being dead. And, um, you know, in, in many ways it is, and in many ways it's not. And so it's, it's a hard story to, to really choose a standing point on that's firm. But I think that that fandom around the YouTube creator is, has definitely shifted. And, um, you know, I think that also is because it's less in the zeitgeist. I mean, two years ago, that was all anyone talked about. It was all that was on the news. It was all that we were talking about kids doing. And maybe it was a little bit of each of those pieces feeding each other, right? The fandom side was feeding the news and the trend. And then also the the over-coverage of the trend continued to fuel the relevance of being a YouTube creator or a YouTube star. Um I would I would say that right now, like we're definitely going back into a premium content space. You know, everybody is talking about like what are the high level formats that can work on these platforms that are engaging to audiences and are episodic. And I think um, earlier you mentioned wanting to know about what the content trends are, and I think what we'll continue to see is most of these companies that are on the buy side, meaning Facebook and Verizon and um, YouTube, will continue on the unscripted side. It's just such a lower barrier to entry in terms of financial commitment. It has some social elements to it that fare well for those types of platforms. Um, But, you know, moves movement towards dramas and more you know horror theme and comedy theme and stand-up specials i think that's so so, ver- so vertical that. real vertical when you say premium what do you mean you mean content that is expensive to make or content that definitely has to be paid for i would say content that definitely has to be paid for um you know independently at home i mean i guess that, that's a two that's sort of a double-edged sword i mean if we if we have any any indie filmmakers on the on the listening side of this they might uh come after me if I say it's shot it <laughs> shot you know at home or remotely and independently that it's not premium content but um yeah I would say anything that has an arc has a story has like you know a, a full production team around it I would say is something that I would consider premium or that I'm using to refer as premium cool I know that's been thrown around a lot and and sort of the definition of it has evolved over time and people say it so that you'll come to their content but tell us a little bit about um, you know what's what's um, in the future of video Inc and um, we have a few mo- moments left and I'd love to know where people can engage with you yeah so we'll obviously um, attend most of the big conferences in the beginning of the year um, those are great places for us to source trends and also just to reconnect with people from the space to get their highlights of where they see the business going. But we'll be at CES, we'll be at NatPe, Sundance. Um, we have an event at CES on our own, really more of like a networking event in partnership with Creative Media. And then we'll have um, an event at South by Southwest with the Telly Awards. We're figuring out what we're going to be doing with um, Social Media Week in um, 2018, we're usually at MIT TV and have an activation there. And again, all of those opportunities are something that are bundled into our membership offer. Um, so members get automatic invites to those events, and um, they also have the opportunity to get lower price points or discounts at some of our partner events. So um, yeah, that's really that's. I mean, you know how it goes, Laura. You do the event site as well, so. Once once New Year's is over, it's like basically January fourth. You like kick off your ski boots and you yes. like flip till it till April till April conference <laughs> attire until April. Yeah, um, April and May. then you're like, okay, it's summer now. I'm gonna go into my bathing suit. Like it's it just it's just that whole first two quarters it's of the year just flies by. And people want to to partner with you because you are you are curating 
all of the information that everybody wants to know, right? It's a beacon, like keeping up with everything right now. Yeah, and I think going back to the whole, you know, being able to, ch- to charge a premium um, amount for whether it's on the video side or whether it's in MySpace, which is on the B2B side, is really the category expertise and being able to go um, deep versus broad. I think the broader you go, the lower your price point can go. I think the deeper you go, the savvier the person that you're going to attract is in terms of readership or audience. And usually those those um, types have the disposable income or the need that allows them to p- surpass a, a premium price point threshold. It's fantastic. Well, for us. It's so insightful to talk to you and also to learn about how you have really flipped a switch on your business and all the the great platforms that you're using like Slack to to generate more content for your members. So we've been talking to JJ Jocelyn Johnson, founder of Video Inc., one of the premium uh, publishing entities that's really capturing all the news there is to digest on digital video, video tech, online streaming, all the bits and pieces of the content space. And, and people can subscribe where, Jocelyn? Where can they dig in? On our homepage, if you go to the videoinkink.com, um, there's a become a member section on the nav, and it's really straightforward and simple from that point on. And then are you um, also Twitter at, at videoink or at JJ? We're at, we're at video. <laughs> We're at Video Inc. News on most of the social platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us Video Inc. News. Um, we do have a, a LinkedIn feed as well. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure if our, our, our like, lead is Video Inc. or Video Inc. News. I'll have to double check that one. <coughs> LinkedIn, Schminkton. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been an jo- uh, interview with Jocelyn Johnson, founder of Video Inc. It's been so great to talk to you and hear all the great insights. And we will be back next week with another fabulous guest. And hopefully, I will not be coughing into the mic next week. But thank you so much, Jocelyn. Thanks so much for listening to The Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 